You're talking, uh, I think it said 79 locations were raided, 45 arrests um, across a number of countries, including the Netherlands, Belgium and Germany. Um, there, you know, I think it was 1,200 police in total involved in this, and it's all targeting this encrypted network that George Mitchell had founded. Um, I think the seizures were, you know, discovery of two drug labs, 5.5 million in cash and 20 firearms. So it's, it's come back to, it's come back to bite him. I'm Nicola Talent, and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. He's Ireland's most wily godfather of crime, a criminal so slippery that he's managed to evade the law for decades while rising to the very top of Europe's underworld. But has a phone been the undoing of George the Penguin Mitchell, or will he waddle away from the clutches of law enforcement yet again? This week, I'm talking to Niall Donald about the massive police hack of the Exclu encrypted network closely linked with Mitchell, about the underground bunker where it was developed, and about the possible fallout of the hack for the world's largest criminal organisations. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. So we're going to have to tidy ourselves up, Niall. Yes, yes, I probably accept that, you know. Yeah, I mean, I came in this morning on my bicycle and thankfully I had a shirt to put on when yeah. I took off my, my cycling top. But um, yeah, this new video thing and we're on... YouTube now and people are actually watching it so you know we're going to have one to of my start own, actually one of my own friends said to me you want to put on a shirt or oh, something seriously? which is really really quite bad because generally my uh, circle of friends isn't that respectable yeah no I mean it's new for us because really I suppose newsrooms have been filthy dirty holes <laughs> always and you're always kicking around in runners and yeah. whatever you never really need to be unless you're going down to court but so yes we do have to do that but and people are watching the YouTube it's at crime world podcast yeah um, um yeah a bit of maybe people like a bit of gritty glamour yeah do they they might they might no i'm definitely for one tidying up but you guys sunday world are up on tiktok as well we're up on tiktok yeah which is really interesting i mean we've just started and it's just i suppose you see how technology changes how people absorb news um and tiktok is you know an incredibly uh use platform now you know so it's just look these things constantly change and we're the dinosaurs who have to adapt I know, to I have to adapt because I mean I actually you know I have TikTok mm. I watch it I've all do you know what mine are not like completely not really just funny animal things yeah, right, dogs right, right, doing right. funny things loads well, of I get I get people attacking each other on the streets of do Dublin you, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah it's, actually yeah it's is it it just follows what you're you're watching it's some sort of algorithm yeah that, that Judges what you watch and throws it at you, you know. Well, that's all mine is, like yeah. one after the other. And I could spend an hour. It's very addictive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I get people beating the head off each other around various yeah. parts of Ireland. A bit of that. I have yeah, to say. yeah, yeah. But um, my um, at home, they are watching and taking their news from TikTok and from our Cloda, who's who's on the Sunday World TikTok and her own. And certainly my daughter was watching her taking in some of the crime stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we do have to adapt and we have to move with mainstream media. We have to move into all these areas. Exactly. And it definitely, look, the mainstream media have been obsessed with Twitter. But yeah. really, that's a lot of journalists talking to other journalists yeah. uh, mixed in with a lot of people Think trolling. People are it. interested in them mixed in with people trolling. <laughs> it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
So, I mean, TikTok is 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 where it's it, that's the the real growth area, you know. And Twitter yeah. is, you know, yeah. Sometimes Twitter's just a horror show, really, isn't it, for everybody involved? Oh, listen, I got a message there the other day. Uh, you know, I look. I just ignore them. I have to say, and I block most of them. But this was something about uh, the Regency, actually, in regard to the story I did about uh, Bonnie's yeah. Jason Bonnie's property empire, and a message was like, you know. Hope you get what's coming for you. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, fuck. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's wrong with people? And of course, you go and you look, and this is somebody who is not courageous enough to actually show their face yeah. or their name. It's no. just some anonymous site. And when I look back, everybody's been trolled by this site. So you yeah. just have to ignore it. You have yeah, to yeah. move away from it and just block it. But anyway, somebody who embraced technology. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I am absolutely obsessed with this story. I love it, obviously, because... I broke it in the beginning, but I also think that it is just fascinating. Is yeah. George the Penguin Mitchell? Yeah, I mean, it is incredible. Seventy-two. Yeah, it's incredible that that he, you know, he must always have been thinking ahead throughout his career mm. about what's coming next in the world of criminality, which is a hard thing for us to kind of get our heads around that there's somebody out there strategizing like a like a, a CEO of a company, but he obviously felt correctly that that um, encrypted networks were the way to go and that this was going to become such a tool for organized crime. And not only would he end up, like, plan to use these encrypted phone devices, but also to wholesale them and become a, to, to become a, an expert in that field and to be a provider for, for organized criminality, really, of that service. Well, actually, what he did was mm. and, and, and all that. And of course, yeah. he's he's thinking ahead and he's always been. But when he moved to the Netherlands around the mid 90s. Yeah, he was kind of driven out of Dublin, wasn't he? He by was. There was by threats, I think, from the IRA and um, there was the Criminal Assets Bureau were honing in on him. And there was threats from, yeah, threats from, from people looking for protection money. And so he just up the But he left. was ambitious, too. And he wanted to he didn't want to stay in little old Ireland like I mean for a guy from Ballyfermot who had initially been a, a driver for a biscuit company he had gone into armed robberies he'd sort of moved with the likes of you know the Cunninghams Gilligan the Martin the General Cahill honed his skills and all that and obviously saw the money in uh, drugs you could say the same that same path they all followed really but he moved out to the Netherlands and Apart from what he was doing, he got friendly with this very weird Dutch guy yeah. called Herman Zent. Yes. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Herman Johan Zent. Yeah. And Herman Johan Zent was set up this thing called Cyber Bunker yeah. in the Netherlands. As the Internet is beginning, he believes the Internet is a country. I'm going yeah. to try and explain this to you as best right, I can, okay. my little brain. Yeah. He believes the Internet is a country. And a group of them came together and they sort of... Um, sort of like tried to own part of the internet and declared themselves as the rulers of this country. Yeah. Is Does that, that making sense to you? Well, I mean, uh, That's arguably, what they thought. Ar it was to, to, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure, but I suppose they're kind of uh, uh, these sort of free men type of ideology, is it that there'd be stateless people that, yes, yeah, that of. kind of, and I mean, there was a lot, of, there's a lot of, that's a big, big QAnon, if you know what I a mean. A big QAnon, and but it's basically that they're sovereign individuals. I think uh, that 
you know, that. And that the internet was this sovereign state. Yes. And they were going to to rule it, basically. Yeah, they were going to be free men, not 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 under the obligation of any national state or laws that they would function as sovereign free individuals and be free to make money and do what they had to do under their own moral code, I suppose. Now, a lot of very strange individuals surrounded Hermann Johann Zent, who lived in the bunker. He bought this underground bunker. There's all these NATO, former NATO bunkers around Europe, yeah. Cold War and all the rest of it. And he bought this particular one in the Netherlands and he moved in uh, underground with this collection of people who were sort of like computer nerds. And some of them could be described as those. Do you know somebody who's so genius that they can't function in normal society? Yeah, kind of a... A misfit. Misfits. And I mean, of course, he looks like a misfit himself, doesn't he? Yeah. I mean, looks like a, I don't know, Bond villain was what you described him as. Also could be Austin Powers type of villain as well. Long white hair and a big, long, flowing black leather coat (laughs) down to his ankles. Anyway, this started up in the Netherlands where he became friendly enough with George Mitchell um, around the time that George Mitchell was caught with a load of stolen computer parts, yeah. which possibly were linked to Zent, the original cyber bunker, this underground bunker where, where he set up his, his sovereign state and wanted yeah. to own part of the Internet, uh, it was basically there was an explosion hmm. um, when the fire was put out. They discovered that there was actually an ecstasy factory there yeah. beside it and the whole thing had blown to kingdom come. Now, he was never charged, Zent, in relation to this ecstasy factory. And he claimed that he had sublet part of his bunker to these people who were making tablets. Of course, we know that when George Mitchell left Ireland, just before he did, he was behind an attempt to set up the very first and probably one of the only ecstasy making factories discovered in this country. Yeah, I mean, he was a huge uh, trafficker of ecstasy at that boom time for the rave scene and he was one of the the real i suppose visionaries if you want to use that word about how much money could be made and particularly strong connections in in the netherlands where nearly all the drugs at that point coming into ireland were originating from Mm -hmm. so um mitchell went to jail briefly in the netherlands for the stolen computer parts and when he came back out we, we sort of lost track of him certainly there wasn't much word of him um, you know, he seemed to be moving around Europe. He was certainly known as becoming one of the biggest drug traffickers. I mean, he would be seen by intelligence as being at one point akin completely to Christy Kinahan Sr. Yeah. I don't believe he has an international trans global cartel, but he's doing similar to what they're doing with probably a smaller network. Yeah, and, and certainly under the radar more. Uh, in terms of social media or or public appearances, which the Kinnans were doing constantly. I mean, yeah. certainly the sons were. I mean, George Mitchell probably relied on a really tight network of people and wasn't so obsessed with, like, the Kinnans. Growth. For, for all of the size that they got, to, they still wanted to order shootings in Dublin over yeah. relatively minor debts. They were still really didn't want the other people threatening them. Mitchell seems to have been different, that he was f- focused on, Maybe just making money and and sort of keeping more old school, I think. And, um, you know, not saying he isn't a violent individual. He certainly is suspected of being behind or certainly in the background of of some murders that have taken place over the decades. But 
uh, and well capable of threatening people and all the rest of it. But nonetheless, a little bit more of a business-like approach he took to biz- to, to everything. But he kind of did go off our radar, as did Zent, who was never on our radar really in the first place. Yeah. It was more the Dutch maybe paid a passing interest in him as a bit of an oddball. But So come 2015 and got a tip off that Mitchell, George Mitchell, who hadn't been photographed by the Irish media in 20 no. years, that he was in a German little village called Trab and Trarbach, which is in the Moselle Valley, and that he had relocated there. Now, this was the beginnings of it was shortly after Gary Hutch had been murdered in Spain. And my information at the time was he was being, you know, he was friends with both sides of that divide, of the Hutch-Kinahan divide, that he didn't want to take a side. He wanted to remain neutral and had told all his people back in Ireland to not get involved in it. And as a result, he'd sort of moved away from the south coast of Spain where he was living and up to Germany to sort of lie low. Yeah. But he was, there was a suggestion that this Zent guy was there with him and all the rest of it. So we went out a number of times um, on the trail of him, a number of times failed to lay eyes on him. But eventually we did find him. And sure enough, he was knocking around with Zent. And the photographs that we have had and copyrighted for years show him walking down the street with this long, white-haired, Bond villain-style yeah. character. Yeah. Very, very strange. Yeah. Um, in the middle of nowhere to a degree, like, oh, yeah. wasn't it? Like, I mean, it's not it's not the, uh, the playground of Dubai with the, you know, the, the bling all over the place or the Spanish Costa del Crime. I mean, it was just a rural part of Germany. It's really, like a it? kind of wine region. And it's also a place where middle aged or maybe more elderly hill walkers go right. on holidays. Do you know that kind yeah. of a place? Yeah. Like, the yeah. pla- the, the, I mean, you get not your not dinner the... at six o'clock or seven o'clock, be busy in the restaurants, and then eight o'clock is too late. Yeah. You're yeah. all yeah. headed yeah. for the hot chocolate in bed, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, a very strange place to find him, very quiet place. But while there and, you know, photographing him, I suppose, for the first time and unearthing why he was there, we discovered, of course, that Herman Zent had bought another underground bunker yeah. high up in the hills of Trav and Trarbach. It was another disused NATO, uh, very peculiar looking place. Mm. Obviously, because it's a bunker, you only see one story above ground and it's surrounded with, um, like it was old military. So it's surrounded, it's ugly looking, I suppose, yeah. cement bunker. And for it to be down underground with like thousands of foot of real estate, You have to keep it cool and there's all sorts of electronic systems. There's a gap like between the earth that was dug out and it. And it's very important to keep it all cool because there's lots of electrics going through it and everything. Long and the short of it was, I was told that Mitchell was there because him and Zent were setting up an encrypted phone service. They were bringing together, I suppose, Zent's expertise in the darknet and his computer expertise and then Mitchell's contacts in the underworld. Yeah. Because they're exactly who they want to sell them to. Yeah. I mean, most people don't have need for an encrypted mobile phone. Let's be realistic about it. Mm. Um, so the majority, not the, maybe not the majority, but a lot of them are, you have to have a reason to spend that amount of money on an encrypted mobile phone. I mean, that was 2015. The big hacking into the uh, into the, the encrypted phones. Was, was it 2021 or 2020? Yeah, a lot of them are 19. You see, funny enough, at that time, there was a guy called Danny Manupasa. Yeah. And he had the first kind of encrypted phone network, which was called Enetcom. Yeah. And he had been 
busted, basically. Yeah. The server had been found and he'd been arrested in Canada. Yeah. Um, and he would then subsequently go before the courts where he would be accused of basically facilitating high-level organized crime by providing them with this communication network. And for those who don't understand encrypted phones, I'm going to leave kind of you to say it because well, I know that they're kind of big secret things and you can't hack into them supposedly, or that's their sales pitch. Well, see, now you could have, as well as brushing your hair, you could have prepared me for before <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to explain encrypted phones. The hair is far more important. But basically, I suppose that, <clears throat> you know, you have an IP address on your phone or you have a way of being traced and encrypted phones just stop that. They just it's an app rather than a phone in particular. And it just scrambles that location. So every message comes from a different location and therefore you can never fully be traced by law enforcement. Um, like certainly at the point at which we're talking back in 2016, it really people really believed that they could never be cracked, mm -hmm. that there was no way for this to, to, to ever be found by law enforcement, that literally each time it's scrambled and it, it can be deleted so that people couldn't conceive of it. I think that's fair to say. And um, it's sort of like fed into that golden age, that gold rush yeah. of the cocaine gold rush as yeah. such, because people buying and selling, shipping, yeah. getting things moved, whatever they needed to do, ordering hits, were able to just pick up their phones and have that conversation without having to spend a day yeah. going to meet and, and watching their back and changing yeah. locations and all this. So and you can see by the time that the, the big hacks came by, by the EU officials, it was people were using them almost without codes. Yeah. You see that all as part of the anchor chat bus that they, they had full belief that they weren't going to be traced. Um, so... Like it obviously didn't prove to be the case um, for in, in a different way. They didn't sort of crack the technology. They just cracked the server. Was, would that be accurate they to say? They seem to find the servers and then, yeah, no, they, they, they're also, we see, we don't really know because no. it's mainly the Dutch yeah. who have worked it out. Um, but, but they but, are doing but rather than one. kind of crack the technology itself, they seem to have gotten into the servers and just gone to the source of it. Well, they've been listening live yeah. most of yeah. the hacks. What they've been yeah. doing, they've been listening live over a period of months, collating intelligence information, um, and uh, you know, starting, I suppose, investigations of that for ongoing criminal uh, processes, and then they've gone in and arrested and everything. But 2015, they were the lads were developing. Uh, yes. They were developing this and they had a number of workers there, a number of people developing this. It was going to be bulletproof, etc. Georgie was going to sell it to his pals in the Colombian cartels, in the biker gangs and everywhere else. Um, now, he was at the time when we were in Trab and Trabrack, it was quite funny because uh, I was told that Mitchell was going to be quite easy to photograph because he hated the bunker. He yeah. was terrified of it. I would have been exactly the same. I <laughs> yeah. mean, to me, it was like an underground grave. You went in and there was all these steel doors that shut behind you. And Zent lived under there in this black, darkened room with all these Marvel characters with illuminated faces. Very yeah. strange. Had a partner, underground sons, etc., living with him. Yeah. But Mitchell moved into sort of an overground apartment overlooking the river. Couldn't right. be more airy. And sure enough, whenever he met Zent during the day, he wouldn't go to the bunker. Right. He only went in once, apparently, and came out of it like a scalded cat and vowed never to go back in there again. But they'd meet in this 
little coffee shop or a kind of a bar. They'd meet initially, I think, for breakfast and then they'd go on for, for, for lunch. But uh, George liked his red wine and his gin and tonics. Yeah. But Zent would only drink hot chocolate. Right, one right. after the other after the other. And would match George, you know, drink for drink um, in the subsequent case that came up the trial that was heard only last year in Trier you know they heard things like that they used to like to go out and they'd go to this local sort of a even weird that there was one of these clubs there but I suppose they're everywhere in the world a kind of a a lap dancing club right they'd go along there George Mitchell was going by the name of Mr. Green the international businessman George Green so where where did the German by the time you were there were the German police already looking at these looking at this underground bunker, or did that come later? No, because it had been sold quite openly <coughs> to Hermann Zenz company by the local German authority, because that underground bunker had been owned by, like, the council or something, and they'd yeah. sold it. And he had set up a thing called Calibre, a business which was a data centre. Yeah. A data centre. They didn't seem to have any suspicions about him. Um, it's, it's, it's a bit... Uh, a little bit difficult to ascertain if the German police started looking at it as a result of our article. I think they did because the article, of course, was picked up a lot. And, yep. you know, the German media and all the rest of it got interested. They didn't realise that George Mitchell was George Mitchell. They thought he was George Green. Right. Which was the name he went by all over Europe for years whenever yep. he was doing business. So uh, I think that probably started them having a look at it. So we, again, followed it up. I could see the encrypted phone networks. I could see their ads for them going up. They were obviously still forging ahead. And you see, of course, having an encrypted phone network is not illegal. No. It is actually a legal business, even though there's been calls to regularize it in some way because the only people who need these phones are yeah. criminals. I mean, it was totally, uh, nobody perceived that it could be illegal until the, the situation in Canada where they charge them with a kind of a broad facilitation conspiracy yeah. to connect to organized crime. But exactly at that time, it was... it was, And still it's not. No. It's not illegal to have one of the phones. It's not no. illegal to actually sell them. No. So it is one of these things that has sort of, like technology has advanced before the law can follow. I'm sure there will be laws, you know, in the future. Our legislation will be brought in, probably not first in Ireland, but elsewhere. Um, so what... George was doing was investing in this and it was a small enough investment. It was about 150,000. The returns were to be massive because obviously each un unit you sell, like, uh, you know, is 800 euro for the app, say, for example, then you have a you have to pay to use it on a monthly basis. And also all the phone, the actual phones that come with it yeah. are, you know, thousands to buy. Yeah. So it's a it's a probably a good investment of 150,000. Um, but Again, it, it sort of went quiet a bit. I could certainly see, watch it uh, developing. I had a little bit of eyes on George Mitchell in the aftermath. He was kind of going back down to Spain where he lives in a very ordinary two-bed apartment, nothing flash. And he drives like this sort of Nissan Micra thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's real old school. But in 2019, uh, 600 German police went in and raided that bunker. Yeah. They had been, had them under surveillance for a number of years um, and they took a load of servers out of it. They arrested Zent, no sign of Mitchell. He had gone to ground and they arrested others that were there. And a trial happened last year in Trier. Yeah, for the various offences. Various offences, yeah. For example, that there was 
uh, child pornography offences, wasn't there in terms well, of... Well, what they found was one of these dark web yeah. facilitation yeah. services like the, the one, do you remember, the Silk Road? Yeah, so it's kind of a, a server hosting, yeah. it's, it's hosting this, this... Hosting all sorts of illegal activity. Yes, which they said it's nothing to do with us. We merely host it and we don't check or don't care, but there was obviously a range of things going on on, on on this server, including sort of child pornography and I think it was weapons dealing oh, and yeah. drug dealing. Everything you can imagine. Yeah. Um, so the court case was very interesting because it emerged during the court case that George Mitchell was actually the original major target of this investigation by German police, that they had applied. The Germans are really like into their privacy. Yeah. More so than anybody. Very much. Yeah. But they had had to apply the police every six weeks to the courts to get wiretaps on Mitchell's phones. Who had about 10 phones. 16. 16 phones. 16 phones. So uh, he was obviously using his own product. Yeah. But anyway, they they had wiretaps on his phones. And in order to get those wiretaps, to get the warrants approved by the courts, they had to give a lot of information about who he was. And for the first time, really, and I have those files of those warrants and everything, they described George Mitchell as a massive international trafficker of drugs, of weapons into Northern Ireland in particular. Um, they had watched him as he met senior members of biker gangs. They said he had links in with directly to the Colombians. They listed a number of shipments that were seized, massive big, you know, ton loads of, of cocaine that they believed were his. They discovered that he was speaking in code, his own code, a little bit old school again. Yeah. It was a suggestion that he called oranges were boxes of coke or, you know, consignments of coke. Um, he had an accountant. He had quite a structured network around him. Um, but they never got him. They never brought him to court or anything. But the case happened and Zent was jailed along with the others um, in relation to that underground bunker. Again, it goes kind of quiet now. Yeah. I mean, I have actually been over in Germany um, meeting people who are, you know, in ongoing investigation for bigger projects on this story. But uh, this week, yeah, it turns out that there is one of these major police raids yeah. i mean it's it's a like it's a big big operation um you're talking uh, i think it said 79 locations were raided 45 arrests um across a number of countries including the netherlands belgium and germany um there you know i think it was 1200 police in total involved in this and it's all targeting this encrypted network that george mitchell had founded um i think the seizures were you know, discovery of two drug labs, 5.5 million in cash and 20 firearms. So it's it's come back to it's come back to bite him now at this point. Now, we don't know as of yet if he's one of those people arrested. Yeah. But certainly the German police have confirmed that this hack on X clue, that X clue was um, discovered as been run in that bunker, in the cyber bunker, yeah. and that it was Herman's End sort of company, essentially. Um, now, this follows, of course, I mean, how they went ahead with it is beyond me because they know they're under investigation. They know that the cyber bunker is raided. Um, they are obviously still confident enough that this service they have is. But, I mean, you had initially EncroChat. Yeah. That was the big first takedown. Yeah. And that caused absolute panic. Now, that was in 2020. There was criminals throwing their phones out all over the yeah, yeah, here yeah. as well. 
And that had been hacked over a period of maybe three months. Yeah. And there had been like in England still every second court case you see there is involved. Yeah, I mean, in the it's incredible. Check. I think they, I think it was just a random statistic yesterday. I read that 79 people in Liverpool alone have been convicted on the EncroChat yeah. bust, you know. And like a lot of them, so that what they did was they listened in live to that. And this was yeah. the first, this the Dutch police yeah. and the French got together on this one. And they listened in live and in places where there was an immediate threat to life, they would take action. Obviously, they weren't going to allow someone get shot, but they could hear hits being planned and being carried out. So they were intervening as sort of discreetly as they could, shall we say, in while they were listening in. And then they picked a day where they decided, right, we'll all go together. Which is so partly was driven by a case in the north, I think, wasn't it? Where where that was some submitted by an evidence as somebody was being charged. And that kind of was the first mention of it, in a, mention court, of it was in, there. in a court case, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But um, so that was Anchorage and the like, you know, it was like a tsunami. Yeah. And, you know, the effects are still being felt. Then there was the Sky ECG hack, which was similar. Yeah. Um, and again, I think the Dutch were involved in that. And it was used more that that Sky Network or ECG or whatever it was called was mainly focused on Belgium yeah. and the Netherlands, like criminals in those regions were. Yeah. And I spoke to colleagues of ours in the Netherlands and Netherlands and Belgium at the time. And they said that there was so much intelligence gathered from those hacks uh with law enforcement that they actually didn't have enough police officers yeah. employed to investigate yeah. all they discovered. Um, they did move first and foremost on the corruption end of things because they saw that a lot of port workers, police officers, people in the judiciary, etc., were under. They discovered that they were getting paid off. Yeah. And even, even just a couple of weeks ago, we had a story in the Sunday World about uh, somebody provide in the passport office in, in, in the Netherlands providing passports for... Taji and how uh, one of those passports ended up in Dublin and everything like that. Mm. So there was all all of that became uh, just got exposed, didn't it? And yeah, it could have gone on for years and years. All that sort of, I suppose you could describe it as low level corruption, but it was really the the grease of organised crime gangs. You know, just to correct myself in case there is another company called Sky <laughs> ECG. It's Sky ECC. Yeah. Um. In June 2021, of course, the Americans always have to go. Bigger and better and larger than goddamn everyone. But they announced that they had taken over the servers of Anon. So in actual fact, what turned out was the FBI had created their own service, had sold it amongst the criminal networks and had then basically done the same thing. That that stretched all the way to Australia, didn't it? And New Zealand, there was huge... uh, intelligence on the, uh, on criminals there and how they're operating worldwide, like yeah. phenomenally interesting. It was amazing. And now the latest, obviously, is this one, Exclue. And definitely, while we know that it is the it is the sir, it is the, the, the communications ne- uh, provider that George Mitchell had invested in and was developing with Herman Zent, you know, it, we wait to see if he is caught up in it or if he slipped the net again yeah, because he is an amazingly slippery character yeah, I mean, never it, seems to have to face the music ever. No. And I mean, in, I think in um, in, in the, the original Cyberbunker trial, it, it said how his name was on nothing, mm-hmm. that they, they believed he was the investor or the, the, the director of it, I think, but that and that he paid money for it, but that he never put his name on anything. And that's really why he didn't. 
come journal- before the courts. They did listen to, uh, although while they were listening in on his phones and stuff, they did hear him talking to his partner, Kadiba Buchiba, about uh, Herman's end he was giving out because yeah. he's supposed to be as tight as... Yeah. Yeah, well, that's maybe you how you what? become a, a multi-millionaire. Yeah, well, actually, a lot of like really rich people I know aren't like overly generous. They, they no, know how no, to be frugal exactly. with their money. The, yeah, say. exactly. That's why. But uh, he was given out because Zent was spending too much on electricity. Yeah. Now, I mean, it was costing something like twenty thousand. <laughs> yeah. A month. Yeah. To keep the thing. Taken over. Well, there was so much wires in it yeah. because of so many servers exactly. that like it got really hot and they had to keep kind of cooling it yeah. um, electrically with water down the side of the building and all this sort of stuff. But anyway, he was given out about that and that he was basically like, like you know, he was leaving the immersion on, shall we yeah, say, yeah, and, yeah, and it was yeah. ridiculous and he'd invested all this money. And so he was certainly involved. And as I say, he was the, the, the German police's top target, but they never got him. So look... You know, it'd be interesting to see by the end of the week. Yeah. Will there be any further information on who's been arrested, if Zent has been arrested in prison, because he is in prison, um, because there is a number of countries involved in it. So just the information takes a little while to come out from Europol. It does. It's a different kind of, there's so many different legal systems involved as well, and they all have their own particular, you know, features that, that, but you can see that, when you're operating simultaneously over a number of countries, it is a big deal. Yeah. And they, they pump in huge resources, huge planning before they go to the point of raiding and arresting people. I mean, that's going to be, you know, God only knows how many months in advance. And so they'll have what they, they'll have a target in mind. Mm. And we, we will see. But I mean, he's a vague, like George Mitchell, like, I mean, I don't know when he last appeared before court. I mean, he obviously there was cab cases involved. It was in, in the Netherlands when he was done yeah. for the computer parts and he got two years or something. And yeah. that's been it. And, you know, like the reason he was getting involved in, in investing was what I was told at the time from very reliable source uh, was that Mitchell felt he was getting on. He was getting really paranoid about his health and he wanted to bequeath as much of his fortune as possible. He needed to legitimize it. Yeah. His fortune. Like you can't believe in like drug money or, you know, consignments of cocaine that you've paid for with the Colombians to your loved ones. No. He wanted to try and legitimize as much as he could. And he had been looking to get involved in all businesses like, you know, funny, though. Yeah. They never stray too far. From what they're comfortable with criminals. No. Cars. Yeah. Watches. Yeah. And encrypted phones. Yeah. 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 They're just, they don't trust the rest of the normal no, society, no. like sugar and... And it is funny, some of that QAnon stuff coinciding with the criminality thing, because they all seem to like a bit of that kind of thinking, you know? A bit the so- of this sort of... Sovereign free people, and, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it'd be, it'd be, uh, he's he's stayed so far away from the inside of a court for so long, it would, it would be a real blow to him now to, to appear, but I wouldn't like... You know, we think of the 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 Americans as you know the FBI or these groups as being so powerful and you know competent, but there is, I think, in the EU forces have really have become something equivalent. And when they go for something, they really are seem to mm-hmm. have be having great success. Yeah. So look, we'll maybe put uh, Georgie up on TikTok, will we? Put Georgie up on TikTok. Just because he's embraced technology. Apparently, he's like, like myself. He can answer the phone. He can yeah. turn it off. 
He can direct his Any, minions. <laughs> Is it just like you, Nicholas? Direct your minions. We might get on. Yeah. Um, direct the minions. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Well, look. So, yeah. No, that's all very interesting. And we will definitely come back to it to, in, in more detail yeah. when we find out exactly who has been on and who bought his phones. I'm yeah. sure all his pals did like. I'm sure they did. And, he's I an mean, interesting selection of pals. He does. And, you know, there's some of them are, you know, he obviously has people here or dealing with Ireland at a very high level. And that would be interesting to see if but those But you'd be in a lot of up. trouble like in that world if you said, just say like even in our world, if I yeah. said to you, I'll sell you this, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I'm telling you, nobody will be able to listen to a word you say. Feel safe to go ahead and. Do what you want yeah. on it. Yeah. Or and if, if, and of course, like a like journalist, but I'll tell you now that story is true and you should oh look God, at yeah. that, you know, where you put your, you know, your, you give your, I'm telling you, that's, that's somebody's <laughs> reputation. You, yeah. You trust that and you think, yeah. right, he's telling me this. It yeah. has to be bulletproof. There's no way it's ever going to yeah. be hacked. Yeah. And then all of a sudden there's some Colombian cartel boss scratching his head yeah. going, yeah. that bloody Georgie yeah. Mitchell now. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a good know? place to be trying to reverse back and think what, what exactly have I been doing over the last three months yeah because it's that that was hacked I think for four or five months yeah and you don't know you if know. they can if they can go back into you know historical stuff as well maybe yeah. they have been able to access that or not you Close know it's complete chaos yeah well, we wait to see okay well look um yeah maybe shirt tie maybe so hairbrushy well definitely shirt right hairbrushy yeah and yeah, look a little bit more respectful <laughs> the next time. Now that's not to say that we're that bad, no, no, but it's no, just no. it's a bit, bit less gritty glamour, just yeah. full on glamour. We're just gonna tidy it up. Yeah. A bit. <laughs> okay. Bye. Thank you, Nicola. Bye. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from Sundayworld.com, produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. Research assistant is Claude Amini. If you like this show and love true crime, leave us a review. Why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe.